guys. Welcome back to the Ronin Reddit, a Usagi Ujimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Beware, there will be spoilers. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet me at Teal, T-E-A-L Productions on Twitter. I post the episodes on the Usagi Yojimbo fan and Usagi Yojimbo Dojo Facebook pages. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit is the website and UsagiPodcast at gmail.com the email address. The Usagi Yojimbo free comic book day 2020 issue from IDW cover dated May 2020 is the book I'm looking at. Our dramatis personae include Miyamoto Usagi, Chibi Usagi, Chibi Tomoe, a Tengu and Chibi J. Let me just say too here at the top of the show that this colorist, Emi Fujii, and I say it that way, I know who Emi is, is uh, is awesome. Uh, she did a terrific job, I think. The regular color Usagis have been done by Tom Luth, who it's my understanding is on the verge of retirement. The color classics are being done by Rhonda Pattison. Not that I dislike either one of those, but Emmy did a killer job on this issue. And may I be one, if not the first, to put her name in the hat to take over for Mr. Luth when he does finally retire here before too long. All right, our story opens with Usagi on a nice mountain pathway here. We've got the sloping off of the path into some autumnal trees on one side. The upside of the mountain on the other side, up above Usagi is a Takage watching as he passes by. Now the camera, that camera image is in front of Usagi. Usagi walking towards the camera. Now we switch and it is behind him watching him walk away. And we see that he has passed a sign that says beware of Tengu. I don't believe he saw it as it's partially obscured by the fall foliage. Tengu being a type of yokai. A specific type of yokai. Red skinned, long nose, usually some kind of little hat, little bowler hat. That on a very specific kind of ghost, monster, demon, troll, folklorish kind of creature. Moving on in the story as Usagi continues down the path. Uh, he encounters the woodcutters, who we haven't seen in a while. Male uh, husband and wife, they are always carrying bundles of firewood. I don't know if they're doing it for themselves or if they collect it to sell it or what, but they are a long time standard in uh, Stan Sakai Usagi books. They appear periodically and have as long as I can remember. And as Usagi is passing them, the wife is saying to the husband, we're finally over the worst of those mountains, husband. And he responds, we're safe because we had left an offering of food for the Tengu to ensure safe passage, wife. And Usagi's surprised and then taken aback. He says out loud kind of to himself, a Tengu, I don't have anything to give him. I hope he overlooks me. Later on, he proceeds down the path, and Usagi starts to feel that uh, things are taking kind of an ominous turn. Then he hears a laughing off, maybe to the side, maybe behind him. And as he turns, he exclaims aloud as, sure enough, there is a Tengu. He tells Usagi, you travel through my mountains. What offering do you give me? And Usagi says, um, thinking real quick on his feet, he's, he comes back. I was not aware this is your territory. I am a poor wanderer. I have nothing to offer you. And the Tengu says, I will take your sword. Usagi responds, pulling his katana. That is the one thing I will never give up. So a fight ensues with many a tang, tang, tang. Thrusts and blows are parried. Usagi eventually realizes that the Tengu is very skilled and probably is just playing with him because he is not making any leeway, Usagi. Uh, and the Tengu kind of seems to be having a good time. Finally, the Tengu tells him, enough of this playing. You are not without skill. 
but I am a Tengu! As he rushes at him and Usagi falls backwards and strikes his head. And as he kind of struggles to get up kind of in a daze, he finally does. Says to himself, oh man, I must have hit my head. Where am I? And then he remembers, oh, the Tengu! And he turns around and his, his um, locale has changed from the normal uh, Usagi realistic kind of locale to a much more pastel cartoony kind of locale where even the birds and mountains have faces and are smiling at him and he thinks what is this place where's the tengu and someone says hey stranger in a different font i'm not going to overly do different voices but the font is different usagi's font so you attack me from behind do you tengu and he turns around and there we see chibi usagi are you all right you look terrible oh horrible he says, and Usagi attacks. Uh, Chibi Usagi jumps away and, and backs up, and we see in his hand he has a boken, probably either a stick or or maybe a boken. It's kind of hard to tell. Not that it matters one way or the other, really. So Usagi continues to press the attack, but to no avail. Chibi Usagi just cannot be hit as he bounces and leaps and jumps until finally he realizes that Usagi is serious, and with a hiya. He does a front flip, and he jumps up in the air and flips five times. And as he's finishing that fifth uh, circle in the flip, he hits Usagi across the stomach with his sword. And Usagi crumples. Oh, you got me. I'm finished. And says, ugh, as he finally collapses. And Chibi Usagi walks up to him and says, hey, are you okay? Poke, poke, pokes him in the head with his sword. And Usagi says, huh? What? I'm not dead, but how? I oh, you have a wooden sword. And Chibi Usagi says, of course, otherwise someone might get hurt. Finally, Usagi looks at him and says, who are you? And off in the distance, we see Chibi Usagi. And he turns around, and there we see Chibi Tomoe. Are you all right? Of course, Chibi Tomoe. And Usagi thinks to himself, Chibi Tomoe? So Chibi Tomoe introduces herself. She says to Usagi, Hajime Meshitsu, if that is correct. I'm sorry, Hajime Mashite is what she says. Uh, translated for us, it's a pleasure to meet you for the first time. And then she and Chibi Usagi have a conversation here about the fact that Chibi Tomoe is losing all her persimmons because Chibi J has stolen. So they run off to get the stolen persimmons with Usagi behind them. Chibi Usagi and Chibi Tomoe confront Chibi J and he puts down the big uh, basket of persimmons that he has and starts throwing them at him. And he, even though he's evil, he's a very funny, kind of uh, tricky, kind of mean, dark evil, but kind of a play mean evil. And he's throwing and throwing and throwing, and they tell him to stop, and he says, who's going to make me? Um, Chibi J. And then we have a panel here with Chibi Usagi and Chibi Tomoe standing there side by side with Usagi standing behind them. Probably two plus times. We are, they say all together. Yow! And then Chibi J runs away. Chibi Tomoe goes and gets one of the persimmons and hands it to Usagi as a thank you for helping. Usagi says he starts to feel dizzy and then disappears. And we have a short conversation between Chibi Usagi and Chibi Tomoe, letting us know that perhaps wasn't strictly in Usagi's head because he had struck his head. Maybe this was another place that Usagi got transported to, just as real as our Usagi locale is real. So finally, uh, he struggles up off the ground and is surprised as the Tengu is back, although it never left. He was just unconscious, but he doesn't can't tell the difference. So he does a chibi 
Usagi multi-flip, which surprises the Tengu such that Usagi's attack dispatches the creature. Doesn't kill it, but because it was going to be injured, it disappears. Usagi says, well, he's gone, but where did I learn that flip strike? And uh, as I said, that's the same thing that Chibi Usagi used on Usagi. So that's where he learned it. The Tengu disappeared before I struck him, so he's still around here somewhere. He could come after me again, and I won't be able to surprise him with that move a second time. But then Usagi realizes, what? Oh, wait, how did I get this persimmon in my sleeve? So he places a persimmon as an offering for the Tengu to allow Usagi to pass through his portion of the forest. After placing it on a rock, Usagi steps back and bows and says, Deity of the mountains, I apologize for my earlier offense and hope you will accept this offering and continues on his journey. Now in the back here from Mr. Sakai, we have some story notes, so bear with me. Tengu are minor deities among the oldest in Japanese mythology. Their origins are a mystery. In Shinto, they could have been descended from Susanoo, o the brother of Amaterasu, the sun god, uh, the sun goddess, excuse me. They could also have been derived from the Garuda, the Buddhist deities who had wings and the heads of horned birds, or they might have been imported from Chinese folklore as they resemble the mountain demons called Tian Ko or celestial dogs. Colonies of Tengu inhabit trees and mountainous areas, particularly pines and cryptomerias, where a king Tengu in with a king Tengu in charge. Some legends give them the ability to change themselves into human men or women. They're mischievous in character and enjoy playing tricks, but can be vengeful if one is played on them. Tengu are born from giant eggs, a belief reinforced when Dutch traders brought an ostrich egg to Nagasaki at the end of the 18th century. There are two types of Tengu. The Karasu or Crow Tengu are part bird with long beaks. The Kohana long-nosed Tengu are red, wearing cloaks and small black hats, and often take the form of mountain priests called Yamabushi kind that Usagi encounters. Tengu are excellent swordsmen and imparted some of their skill to, Japanese, to Japan's greatest hero, Minamoto Yoshitsune. Yoshitsune studied martial arts under Dei Sujobo, the Tengu of Mount Kurama. He eventually marched against the rival Terra clan, destroying them at the Battle of Danaura 4 AD. The Tengu came to be regarded as the deities of the forest. If woodcutters refused to make offerings to them, they would often meet with many small acts. Hunters promised them gifts of food to ensure success. They were also believed to control rain and wind and were blamed for whirlwinds and mysterious lights in the mountain. In the 19th century, notices were posted along the roads when the shogun traveled, ordering Tengu and other yokai, supernatural beings, to remove themselves elsewhere. And uh, in, in summation or in final here, I just want to say that if you encounter someone that is not familiar with Usagi and you don't know what to suggest to them to catch them up, this is an excellent, excellent book because it has a short bio about the character Usagi, has an interview with Mr. Sakai, it has that chibi story, several ads in it, and it, it does it does a lot towards telling someone brand new about Usagi as a whole. So in this book, we were, I threw out the word, or no, nah, maybe I didn't throw it out. Uh, Jizu, in the, in the first panel of the book, there's a, a small Jizu over here. And um, I, I really fell down a rabbit hole researching about the Jizu and the, and the folklore and actuality behind them. So it's a fascinating concept. The Jizu are these little statues, and Mr. Sakai has used them quite a bit in his stories. Small little childlike or Buddha-like statue on the side of the road, on the side of paths traveled. They're put there to protect, or as an offering to, 
children who have died before their parents. Then, apparently, and forgive my um, chronically Anglo perspective if this is wrong, uh, please educate me, let me know. But my understanding from my research is that another person will come up who wants to honor likewise, but because the statue is already, already there, they will decorate it with the clothing or the colored bibs or things of that nature. Subsequent people who wish to uh, pay homage to this kind of, you know, this uh, shrinish uh, entity will place the small rocks or pebbles that you often see around the bottom and the base and surrounding it as an additional uh, me too, me too kind of issue. I believe that's that's what is occurring here as, as these things occur. So, but, but there's much more to it. Uh, it is uh, linked to Buddhist philosophies, Buddhist tradition. Fascinating concept, these little statues. And, and they are rather uh, noticeable. And, and there's something about them that just kind of appeals, I think, to my Western Anglo mind. Because as we journey, walk trails, uh, paths, or bicycle, or things like that, we don't encounter things like that. Um, also, being Christian, we don't necessarily do similar things to uh, homages that people have already placed to Christianness, saints, and things like that for the Catholic religion. And it's it's just it's kind of a one-off, and then you you acknowledge it and move on. You don't add to it uh, necessarily. Now there are times and places that that will happen very touristy spots in particular where people want to pay homage pre-existing, but typically it's not what you see, and you certainly don't see it as you just wander down trails in the forest, okay? So it's it's just, it's a very curious concept. That is, uh, well, actually, no, that's not. A couple of the terms here, uh, the Tengu or the um, Yokai being a, a ghost or a figure from folklore or demon. It's used various different ways. Yokai is. Tengu is a particular type of Yokai. And then there's Hajime Mashite, which is uh, nice to meet you for the first time. Person, something. So those are the terms and, and concepts that we were exposed to here this guy. Next time out, episode 145, looks like I'll be covering Usagi Jimbo Volume 3, issue number 48 from Dark Horse Comics. So thanks for riding along with me today. I'll talk to you guys again next time. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.